Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, for the past several weeks, we've been doing this Living Church Sermon Series where we looked at the church definition. And, you know, there's a... There's a lot going on with a lot of people having different opinions of what the church has been. And as I've been sort of pondering the series, I've been really thinking about what is church and what is, how is church perceived by people, by memories, by experience. And my earliest memory of church, I was little in Korea, and my sister heard about some VBS program, and we never went to a church before, but my sister wanted to go to this, and she didn't want to go by herself, so she said, hey, you want to go with me? And how she persuaded us that there's ice cream at the end. I said, done, right? So we went, and it was enjoyable, but they said we needed a book, okay? And this book, and I forget the number, and I want to say it was like a nickel in, in converted, but let's say a quarter. It was really nothing in the currency, but we didn't have anything as little kids, so we asked our mother, hey, mom, Oh, we need some, you know, quarter you know, for something. She said, sure, and she gave the money, and then she said, what is it for? And we said, well, it's for a Christian book to, because we have to go to church. She about blew her top. Like, she forbid us to leave the house, forbid us to go to that church, forbid us. And I share that to say she was a Buddhist and she was anti-Christian. That was the background. Fast forward several years after we immigrated to the States, and I, and I shared that there weren't too many Asians near us. I mean, hardly any. But there was a Korean immigrant church in the nearest city with few families. Very small church, few families. And my parents decided, we're going to go to church. Right? Now, I question whether my parents believed or not. But it helps that they find a community that they can talk to or find people of the same background, culture, food, relationship, right? Yeah, you're immigrants. You can't talk to anybody. It makes sense to find a community that you have a belonging. And at that time, my parents found a community in the church. Now, we know that people come to church for different reasons. People come... And may not be reason of God. Some people come to find love, to be loved, to find a community they can find relationship with or commonality. And, and that's all okay because God still uses all that to allow his gospel, his truth, and his love to, to be revealed. And that's all good. But that also brings this culture where people bring up a lot of different interpretations of church. And I have shared that, hey, not that our opinion doesn't matter, but God's opinion of his church matters a lot more. And so even though we come with all these different expectations and different views of the church, we come back to the scripture because God established the church, established his ministry, and we come back to the fundamental basics of what he says the church is. Okay? So in the past several weeks, we looked at the church as the the new temple. We are to host God's presence in our lives. And we are 
the new temple in our bodies, right? And the church is the body of Christ. We are many members with different functions, different giftings. But when we come together, we are stronger. We are more whole. That's the body. Last week we said the church is a family. We have the same father. We cry, Abba, Father. He adopts us into his family. We are a family, so we should be a family. Tonight, I welcome you to look at the church in a slight different perspective. And that is the church as an embassy. Church as an embassy. Why is a church an embassy? What does that mean? And what does that mean for us as individuals and as a church? Now, you guys probably know what an embassy is, but let me give you just a very, you know, layman's definition. An embassy is sort of a government's headquarter station in another country. Okay? So, U.S. embassy is placed not in USA, but in elsewhere, in a foreign country, let's say Germany, and that may be the host country, in a foreign land, and he and the government places ambassador or diplomats to live within that community to report back what is going on within that country. Okay? So be aware, like in Germany, so he, uh, ambassador for the United States is positioned by the president of the U.S., stationed in host countries of other countries, not to serve the needs of, let's say, Germany, but for the U.S. needs. Live there among the people, know what's going on within the community, the economy, and the political whereabout, report back, make treaties, make diplomatic relationship for the sake of the U.S. as a U.S. representative. Now, Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, he preached, he taught about this ministry of reconciliations, and he is really teaching about the gospel of what Christ has done and what that means. He has reconciled man to himself and man to one another. There is this unity, this gospel that's so good that it needs to be shared. And he goes on to deep and he says this in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, we was, Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become righteousness of God. So Paul challenges the church what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And he basically outlines the gospel. How God, one man, died, paid for the sins, brought back the, removed the trespasses, redeemed himself to, of that reconciliation, this message. And you read it and it's like, it's too good to be true. I mean, if you know the gospel, you know the gospel is too good to be true. Gospel word means 
good news. It's not the gospel if it's not good news. And if you think it's the good news, you get excited about the good news. You tell it all about it. That's what heralds did. Announce it to the world how good the good news is. That's the gospel. And in light of that, if you know the gospel and you know how good it is, you are an ambassador for Christ. And God speaks through you, implores through you. Paul says in verse 20, therefore, in light of the gospel, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. The word therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, it's all the reasons that he has explained before. And the therefore is a concluding mark. This is the point, people. Therefore, in light of the gospel of good news, you are ambassadors for God, for Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is one appointed to the highest position as God's representative in a foreign land. But you might say, hey, Eric, you're the foreigner. I'm an American living in the American land. But here's a thought. Pilate was having a conversation with Jesus in his trial. And he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And within that context of, the, of that word, Jesus responded this in John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus was indeed a Jew. He was born in right? Bethlehem. But he alludes to the kingdom. He says it's not of this world. What is he talking about? Well, for us believers, we know that he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the greater kingdom. Because God, who was a, indeed king, he denied himself of the comfort, laid himself down in a form of a servant to come to die. That's the gospel. And he comes, the king shows up, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And he's saying, your kingdom is not of this world. He who adopts us into his family, into his kingdom, sort of makes us know that your kingdom is not here on the earth, but in heaven. Paul confirmed that in Philippians 3.20. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I will add, not just a citizen in heaven, but you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. Empowered with the gospel of truth, called to making his appeal for God among the people we live. We are ambassador on behalf of the king. In the foreign land that we live in. We are called with his power, with his authority to implore, to speak on behalf of the king who sent us, who positioned us in the land to speak the gospel. You are ambassador for Christ. Let me break that down. As an ambassador, you are not a representative of this world. 
As an ambassador, you are not a representative of this world. Doesn't matter what zip code you live in, what county, Hillsborough or Pasco or wherever you're coming from. Your kingdom, your citizenship, what matters is not our U.S. citizenship, but our kingdom in heaven. Now, what good is having an, a title of an ambassador without the authority? Okay, so let's talk about authority. The first occurrence of the word church, as I shared a few weeks back, was in Matthew 16, 18. The context of here was uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he asked, hey, who do people say I am? And they alluded to a lot of great men. Should have been complimentary, maybe, if you were a mortal man. And then Peter, in speaking behalf of the disciples of the group, sort of the, the leader of the group, said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Which was the right answer. And Jesus' response, and how Jesus responded was like, that was a good answer, but not just a good answer, but it was a supernatural answer because you could only know that because the living, the God in heaven, or my Father, revealed that to you. You couldn't possibly know that yourself, right? And within that context, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, as I mentioned, the word church is ecclesia, which means assembly or gathering or congregation. Okay. But he follows it up. From that claim of, I'm going to build my church, follows up with even a greater promise. And he says this in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Before I go further, he says, I'm going to build my church. You, you got the right answer? That was a supernatural answer? Father showed it to you? Now, I'm going to build my church on, on this. And then he says, I'm going to give you the keys. Yeah. You guys see this promise? It's one right after that. This is, that was verse 18, verse 19. He says, I'm giving you the keys. Keys represent authority. Keys represent authority. Keys are given to people who are authorized, who are in position of authority. The, the times that my non-family gave me the keys was I had a branch that I was running. They gave me the keys to open and close. Another key was to my own personal office. The keys that I served in various churches, they gave me the keys because I was to pastor. Keys are not given to mere strangers or people we don't know. Keys are given to those who are authorized, who are entrusted, right? And the keys is the power and the authority to open and close. And note that Jesus promised the keys to the kingdom, not to everyone, but to the church. Ecclesia. He promised the keys to Ecclesia. Now, first century, uh, I, I shared that Ecclesia means congregation, gathering, church. But also, when the Greek said Ecclesia, Ecclesia, you might have heard it in 
sort of a city council setting. Ecclesia was a place of decisions where, or a public forum where the community or the community leaders would come and share about the problems of within uh, their community or politics. That was Ecclesia. Where they met was at the city gates. So when you read your Bible and you see city gates, it's not city gates just to keep the enemies out, okay, like the Great Wall. It's just the city gate was a city hall. City gate is where all the assemblymen, that's where the word come from, the politicians, all the community leaders assembled and made decisions. That was ecclesia at the city gates. And what do you need at the city gate? You need the keys. Jesus said, I tell you. And he wasn't just talking to Peter because he said you in the plural. If Jesus was a southerner, he would say, y'all, right? I tell y'all. But I'm a northeasterner, so I say, I tell you all. <laughs> y'all, give me a break. <laughs> I tell y'all, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The church, I'm giving you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And he promised to the church that he will give the keys. And this key, what we do on the earth has a response in heaven. Our actions on the earth, the authority has implication in the kingdom authority. In the past, since last year, with the pandemic, this binding and loosing has been very obvious, hasn't it? You have been bound to your house not to leave. You have been bound to go to work. Or if you were infected or exposed, you are bound to your room because they're trying to contain that which cannot be contained. Thank goodness we live in Florida because our beloved governor loosed. Let people work. Let's reopen our state, right? And we know that there has been people who took this bounding and loosing to another level because they tried to control beyond the authority that was given to them. So you guys understand about this binding and loosing. But the positions of authority bind and loose. Makes the decision on behalf of the people. People in authority decide for others. It's bounding and loosing. Our God says, I do have the authority from the heavenly kingdom, and you are my ambassadors. And I give you my authority. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and you are to bind and loose. You have the authority as a church. And I appoint you my authority with my name to proclaim my message 
and I will make my appeals through you. Our Lord declared his heavenly realm authority. And Apostle Paul declared who we are as ambassadors. As his people, and the Lord declared the power and the authority that comes with the office. And this can be all summarized in the Great Commission that we all know, right? The Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, all authority. This is after Jesus died, resurrected, and one of the last commandments before he ascended to heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always. That's the promise. That's, it's kind of interesting. Before his death, Jesus says, this is not my kingdom. After the resurrection, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth. And this is a sermon in itself, so I'm not going to go deep. But we believe he took back authority when he descended beneath the earth. He took back the authority that even Adam gave up. And then he says, I had the authority in heaven, and I am taking the authority on the earth, and I'm giving that authority to the church, and he commissions to implore, make disciples of all nations. Because you are my ambassadors. That's the church. That's us. You are ambassador. You are delegates. You are his people. Living in a foreign land. Not for the foreign land, but for the kingdom of God. So even though we live on this earth, our citizenship is in heaven. And though we live, we are empowered for God's kingdom work. And I've been, bear with me. I've been wrestling with this. How are we to live in the world but not be of the world? And this is the tension. Because when you live in a place for a while, we acclimate. It's amazing how we acclimate so well. When we were in Denver, it was super dry. It's the high desert. Cold, dry, and you use a lot of chopstick, (laughs) drink a lot of water. You acclimate, and your skin adjusts to it. We went from Denver to Florida. We went from no humidity to extreme humidity. And then we acclimate. It's amazing how our body, our, ourselves as a person, we adjust so well, too well. We're foreigners. We're not supposed to acclimate. That's the tension. You know, I, I remember uh, Pastor Jim Simbla, he used to teach um, the pastors here. And his four-day, during the pandemic, his four-day trip to Florida became more than a year. And then he concluded 
by saying, man, this clean air, this weather, this warmth, it will kill you. You got to get out of here. And he joked, and I, we, we get that. And I love living in Florida. It's, it's a paradise. I am so looking forward to the cooler weather of the, our three awesome paradise weather that's right around the corner. Amen? Right? Three days. <laughs> no. Three seasons is really nice here. Three seasons. That fall season is the three days, right? But to live in this such a nice place is a trap in a way. You guys understand that? It's a trap. Yeah. You, you nailed it. It's too comfortable. You sit somewhere like a super nice, comfortable sofa, you don't want to get up. And I think that's the trap of like the, the couch potato. You get into that place and it's comfortable. You just want to sit there. You're going to watch. You can have life. You're comfortable. That's the trap of being in a really comfortable place. You live in a paradise like Florida where we live. It's a trap because we live well, we eat well, we enjoy the warmth. And it's like, I've arrived. This is nice. I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah. That's the trap. That's what I mean. I couldn't tell you before you came, but I'm telling you, now that you're here, it's a trap. Because it's so easy to get accustomed to this warmth and comfort and the beauty of the palm trees. And, right? And wherever you go, there's water. The alligators, they're one with nature, right? If you're not alligators, there's a shark. I mean, my gosh, you're one with the nature, one with God, and it's awesome. Right in your backyard. I'm not against living well, eating well. You guys know me. I love all of these things. But I'm just saying, being here and we acclimate and adjust, it's a trap. And when we get so comfortable, our hunger, our passion, or our heart motivation can die down because we can get used to our comfort. I don't know how your spiritual life is. But the comfort can deter you from the fire of God. You know, when I was in college, I used to, um, I, I tried a lot of different things when I was young. But in college, uh, one job was selling encyclopedia, world book encyclopedia door to door. That was one of the other than construction, which I did try and broke my ankle, um, the other second hardest one was selling door to door. And you listen to, back then, cassette tapes, motivational of the sales. And I would go townhouses because when you walk door to door, houses were too far apart. Went to townhouses, door to door, knocking, knocking. Neighborhood after neighborhood. And I remember it was so hard. My feet were hurting. After so many rejections, I didn't want to get out of the car. 
it was hard on the emotions. It was hard on the physical. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But you listen to the tapes. You can do it. You can do it. And, and like, I got out. This one house. And it was at, towards the later of the day. I see kids running around. This is an encyclopedia, the world book. So you have to look for signs that the house has kids. I see kids running around. Ah, oh, they've got to be here. And I knock on this one door. Kids are running all over because that's their house. And the lady inside, she's in a foreign gown, but she was super nice, like very unusually nice. Kids are coming all over, and they're nice. And they welcome me in, which is like, oh, this is good, but I'm used to rejection. But they welcome me in. Once I get in, they offer me tea and, like, snack. I'm going, what is going on? Because, come on, a door-to-door salesman come to your door? You don't invite them in and offer tea, right? Because that's not an American way. <laughs> but here's the thing. I found out the family was diplomat of like a small country in Africa. They are living in Northern Virginia in America, and they bring their culture. And they act inconsistent to their culture, and they welcomed me and invited me and shared their heart as their culture they were trained to do. Their ambassadors. They did not change even though they were living in a different place. My challenge is I've acclimated. My challenge is I know the American way. There was a time when people say, hey, you look like a foreigner. But they talked to me, it's like, oh, you're American. They, because I've acclimated. I've become one of the Americans. Not just my citizenship. Culture, language, understanding, way I dress. I'm accepted. And I talked about I want to be accepted. Now I'm accepted. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. We forget that our citizenship is in heaven. We've acclimated so much that we fail to remember who we are. And we live in a comfortable place like this, and we stop being hungry. And I'm not talking about, none of us are hungry. Come on. (laughs) But we have lost that hunger, the drive, the passion, the fight. To do the hard thing that we once were willing to do when we were hungry. That door that was so hard to knock, but we did it when we were hungry. Now it's like we make excuses. I'm not saying I got it all down. But as I was preparing this message, it's my personal conviction. Maybe we got complacent or too comfortable. But God called us to plant this Wesley Chapel campus. And our mission is for the lost found, found free for peace to reign. In order for the lost to be found, the gospel needs to be preached. How would they know to turn? 
how do they know if they're lost if no one would show it to them? The problem with our culture, and you probably see this, is that with this next generation, they don't even know that they're lost. They don't know what they don't know. They have been so deceived by the academia and this culture and the media that even within the church, you know how many times I've heard within the church, people from the church that, you know, all these religions, it's like a one big mountain and there's multiple paths up the top. But when you get to the top, it's the same God. That's what the church people have told me. I'm going, no. That's a lie. There's only one God, one way, and his name is Jesus. There is no other way. You're lost if you have been preaching that. The lost doesn't even know that they're lost. And how would they know unless we preach the gospel as ambassadors that he has proclaimed that we are. If you know the gospel, and this is to those who are the church. If you know the gospel, it should be so good, you can't help but to contain. I mean, you don't want to contain it. You want the world to know that they might be saved. And if saved, they too will become our ambassadors for Christ. And they will be sent off. I don't even know how to lead you at this point. Because I should be the first one to say I don't have it all together. I have oh, so many projects outside of church that I have been keeping myself busy. I have got used to the comfortable life, enjoying life that is self-satisfactory. And I question if it's satisfactory to God. I'm not saying we shouldn't have fun. Where she enjoyed life, God wants you to enjoy life. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about the urgency of joining in God's mission to feel the urgency of what God's heart, what he what breaks his heart. I'm wondering, do we feel the same as God? When we see the poor hungry or a child abandoned, crying out for a little daddy who's not home, or the sick who needs the comfort. Have we been church? Or have we been just attending a meeting and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Are we joining in God's mission? And is God's heart moving our hearts? Because if our hearts are not moved, maybe we're just taking church as a visitation. And we're comfortable with our own lives. So I don't know where you are. But I want us as a church who are called to be ambassadors to have a wake-up call that our citizenship is in heaven. We are here to please God more than this country, our neighbors, the people we live amongst. God has placed us, positioned us 
not to be pleasing of our community, but to honor Him in the time that He has placed us here. So Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself included first. Lord, if we have fallen into the trap of our own complacency or our own comfort, Lord, bring it to our attention. If we have lost that hunger, our passion, that fire that, that you had once allowed us to know when we first got saved and you delivered us and set us free from our sins and to realize how good the gospel is, how good you are. Lord, we shared it all. Whether it was to our friends or in the bars or clubs, we shared to our friends how good Jesus was. Why did we stop or have we stopped? Bring it to our attention, Lord. If we have lost our sight from you, where we acclimated so much to this world that we become part of this world. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you don't know this gospel that moves mountains, this gospel that has changed his life, that sets you free, I want you to first invite you, invite you to receive prayer, that you and your life can be completely transformed. I invite you. But I also invite you to those who, who just got acclimated to this world. And, you, and God's calling you back. Whatever that may be. And if you are hurting in any way and just need the ministry or some breakthrough for healing or financial breakthrough, Come receive prayer. I can assure you this team is anointed. They're trained. Maybe they will have a word for you or speak into you or pray a blessing, but they can help you to come back to God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close us, pray a blessing for you. And Aaron, if you can play uh, soft music in the background, continue on after Caleb. I want you to go pick up your kids or continue to pray. However, you need the ministry time that you need. But in, in where you are, we just lift up your hands as an open palm to say, Lord, here I am. Father, we are your children. We recognize who we are as the assembly of God. Your sons and daughters, ambassadors in this foreign land. And we thank you for your commission, for your authority mostly for your love. But Lord, I pray that you would bring about a conviction and challenge that you would draw us back to you. And lead us to be ambassadors that are effective for your kingdom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.
go forth in victory in his power. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.